0: So if, you're, if you've got a Bible this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to, uh, where can we go? Let's go to Psalm 46. Let's go to the little Old Testament there, Psalm 46. We're ministering on a kind of a peculiar subject. I'm calling it the always answered asker. The always answered asker. This is our third time in this. Let's look in Psalm 46, and then I'm going to ask you a question. We ask a lot of questions around here, because the Word says to examine yourself, to see if you be in the faith. So we do that. And so here's my question. Do you want help in your life, or are you doing just fine on your own? That's a fair question. It seems like it'd be obvious, but... Sometimes when we examine ourselves, we find out I'm pretty much running this thing by myself. Do you want help in your life, or are you doing just fine on your own? And here's the answer. God knows we need help. God knows I need help. He knows I need help, and so he has sent help ahead. When you're drowning or someone's flailing out in the water, they call for help, and we send them something. But uh, the Lord's already sent it ahead. In Psalm 46.1. Lay help on us, Lord. 46.1. It's in here. I, I know it is. Let's read it together. Verse 1. Ready? Read. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Let's put it into first person. Let's make it personal. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Bible says that God is our help. Amen. In Psalm 89, can you slip over, go east a few pages, 89, verse 19. This is powerful. This is talking about King David, but the word is for all of us. The word says, Then thou spakest in vision to the Holy One and said, What did he say? What did God say? I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have laid help on one that is mighty. Well, are you mighty this morning? You are in the Lord. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Doesn't matter how you uh, messed up. The Bible says that he is laying help on one that is mighty. And if you're born again, you're mighty in the Lord. Because we're in him and he's win. He wins. He's got the victory. In Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, we're talking about the always answered asker. Always answered asker. That's contrary to the church experience that's contrary to mindsets and culture because nobody gets always answered in according to religious terms it says in chapter uh, 4 verse 16 let's read it together ready read let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here we have it from the old, to the new. God is a helper. He wants to help. He has sent help. It's not like he's, we send up a flag and say, Lord, I need help. And he starts opening in a closet and saying, I think I left it in here. And I think it's over there. And we will, we'll get back to you on that. That's what you get when you are in the world. But he's already got help prepared and set. So here's the other question we're going to ask. It seems plain enough. Why would anybody, why would anybody reject help from God? Why would we have a double dip of everything he says? I got this. I got this. I got this covered. I got this fixed. I got it. Just let me help you. Well, I wrote down some reasons, what I thought, that keeps people from asking God for help. Because it's rampant. It's prolific because he's an always answered asker if people are having needs all the time and God is answering needs all the time somebody must not be asking and we say this all the time that he's a better giver than we are receivers it's not like well God didn't yes God did we just didn't receive y'all say amen that's now that is how it is he's a better giver he's not fickle he's not moody he's not schizo Uh, He's not paranoid. He's not any of those things that says, well, you know, that's God. You never know what God's going to do. So why would anybody reject or not solicit help from God? I wrote down pride. Pride causes, now, you've seen movies. You've probably experienced it, where certain kinds of people, they're poor, they're very needy. But when you go to help them, they say, what do they say? We don't take any charity. We don't, have, we don't need help, we're, we're fine, just leave us alone. And that's pride. It may be well intended, it may be uh, in their culture, but they don't want to ask from, for help even from God. Well, there's lots of reasons for that. It might be that they don't want to be obligated. In other words, it's nothing's free, everything's got a cost. And if God helps me here and I might can squeeze through this little spot, he might want me to do something for him later on that I won't want to do, and yet it'll be a debt. And so they don't want to ask help from God because they think nobody, including God, has anything for free. Nobody's that good. But there it is. So I, I said, what, what else causes uh, people to reject help from God? Now here's a little stretch. How about arrogance? Arrogance just flat mad at god because after all he let your little brother die he let you he, you he didn't keep your job he uh there was a tidal wave and you somebody got everything that's happened that's bad they don't want god they don't like god and they don't think he's a good god and so they're arrogant about it i don't want anything from that god and so a lot of times that plays out where they act like a victim if god really loved me he would Fix my situation. It could be that they're the rejected. Do you all know any rejected people? Why are they rejected? Because they don't have help. They need help, but yet they're rejected, and they don't want God to reject them, so they don't ask God for help. Have you ever met people that reject you before you get a chance to reject them? You're not going to reject them, but they anticipate you're going to reject them, so they just say something off and and uh, under the table or whatever, and rejects you. Uh, how about a martyr? Do y'all know anybody that's ever been a martyr? I alone am here to serve God, is what uh, 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 Elisha said. But they're martyrs, just like it's my place in life to be poor, to be under the table, to be rejected. So they fashion themselves in this sense that they don't, that they only will let God help them. Listen, talking about help, they only let God help them on their terms. Well, how many of y'all know God's got some terms? And whether you think they're fair or not, or right or not, or equitable or not, that is how it is. In America, if you make over so much money, you do pay income tax. You can disagree, you can resist, you can hide your money, but that is the way it is. Somebody's coming after you when your name doesn't pop up on on the, we gave it the, at the at the government hallelujah so i put down on people that want god to give them on their terms and one of them is is god that uh got when god answers prayer he does it three ways have y'all heard this Yes. yes god answers prayer yes he always answers prayer yes no or not now is that true or false that's false because he's an ever-present help in time of trouble, and we can approach the throne of grace to find uh, the throne to find grace to help in time of need. It's not that he's that way. Religion says that God answers prayer, but he does it his way, and uh, you got to accept his way. Religion says that God is a social services director, that he's responsible for this earth and all the people in it, and that he should take care of this earth. And so they're mad at God even though they don't go God, uh, serve God or like God. Yet when inequities, when tragedy happens, they're ticked. Y'all ever met those people? They're mad. When you dig in a little bit, well, their brother went to Vietnam and he didn't come back and God could have saved him and he didn't and so and so and so. We're mad. And we don't think God's a good God. But we want him to be a social services director. We want him to be fair to everybody. Now, if God was going to deal with only with the people that need, had big needs only, he wouldn't be in America, would he? Have y'all been overseas? Have y'all been in the ghetto? Have y'all been in the, the, the backside of cities where, where it's bad? And you go, well, that's where God needs to be. That's where the need is. But God's not where the need is. God's where faith is. And so we got to get in faith about it. So some people say, if God really loved me, if God really loved people, he could stop the suffering any time. And so there's the suffering doctrine about why is there suffering. And then there's other people that says, "I've I've asked God for help, and I didn't hear anything. He didn't come through the wall. He didn't come to me in a dream. If anything, my situation got worse. We're talking about why people don't ask God for help. And then I put down lastly that people say, religion says, that God enjoys suffering. He's kind of got a little masochistic side to him. And he loves suffering so that men will have to beg him for relief. He kind of sets up a scenario where he, he gets you in trouble so that you'll acknowledge him. So you'll call to God and say, I'm sorry I'm such a worm and a reject, but I'm asking you to help me now. And he goes, that's better. That's better. None of those are true. Turn with me to James. It's right there uh, where you are in Hebrews. James chapter 1. And you ought to have this circled. I hope you write in your Bible. I hope you mark in your Bible. But in verse 17, James, which is the book of wisdom for the New Testament, it says in verse 17, let's read it together. Ready, read. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So that's kind of like Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. So here we see that the flawed stuff is on earth. The hard stuff is on earth and the good stuff is in heaven. Every good and perfect gift cometh down. Where does it come from? From where it is. It's in heaven. The good stuff's in heaven. So let's go to heaven. Because after all, heaven's good and the world is bad. Well, it is naturally, but if you use your faith, there's no devil in heaven, but we have been given power over the devil. There's no lack in heaven, but he supplies all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's no sickness or or pain in heaven but on the other hand he said by his stripes ye were healed so the only thing that uh, is is in is we're not in heaven but we can have everything heaven's got right here amen now that's the truth well why doesn't he just parcel it out like playing a card game and everybody just get dealt a hand some of them get a bad hand some of them get a good hand well the reason is is because there's a walk of faith there's a real devil there's a real curse. There's real flesh. Your flesh ever turn on you? Your flesh ever betray you? Your flesh ever, when you needed it, to run or to step up? It said, I'm not going in there. So we all face that on the earth, but our faith causes what, what the Word says in the Lord's Prayer. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Well, I missed a part. On earth as it is in heaven. That's what I was getting to. <laughs> on earth as it is in heaven so jesus prayed that on earth as it is in heaven business he wants us to have heaven on earth and that's what we're supposed to have so the flawed stuff is on the earth so we know it's flawed and so we're just expecting god to bring heaven on earth but if he did that then heaven wouldn't be heaven so there's got to be a transport. There's got to be something that parlays it from heaven to earth. Well, most religion thinks that you've got to beg him and steal him. You've got to be in a really bad situation for he finally relents and says, okay, I'll give you a little relief or I'll take away some of your pain. But that's not the word at all. It says in 1 Corinthians 10:26, for the lo- earth is the Lord's, listen, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Who's got the earth? God does. The word says in Psalm 50, verse 10, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. God's got stuff. He's got stuff. It says in Haggai chapter two, verse eight. I like this one too. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. He's got stuff. Now here's the question. Here's the question. We don't doubt God's got stuff and we don't doubt that I don't got stuff. So we got to ask ourselves, how am I going to get God's stuff into my life? Now, you may think this morning, like, everybody knows that. But I'm telling you, nobody knows it. If they did, we'd be changing, we'd be living, we'd be doing better if we knew this. So here's the first truth. We talked about it last week. God has it to give. Why? Because we just saw he has it to give. God has it to give because, because, because... He wants to give it to me. Say it with me. Give it to me. God has it to give it to me. Otherwise, he'd just take us to heaven. Heaven's better. No devil, no sin, no flesh, no curse. It's better. But God's got it. Why does he have it? To give it to me. To give it to me. You go, well, how's that work? Well, it's the love of God. He loves us just like you love your kids, mostly, <laughs> often. <laughs> no, we love them always. Well, he loves us always, and he's got it to give to us. So here's the catch. This is what people don't like to hear. It's up to me to transfer it from him to here. It's up to me to believe God. Otherwise, the heathen could just pull the trigger. They could just read the Bible and say, ah, we'll all tithe, and it'll all just come into our lives. Well, it does if you tithe, if you're a tither. But it's not a system that you can work arbitrarily. The second truth is, let me read the first one in. God has it to give because he wants to give it to me. Let's just say that together. God has it to give because He wants to give it to me. Now, if you're a worm and you don't think God wants to give you anything, then you've got to backtrack and you've got to read the Bible. You've got to hear what Jesus said. But He loves us. And He wants, uh, and we know that love gives. God so loved the world, how much? That He gave. How much did He give? His only begotten Son. So He loved much and He demonstrated it by giving much. So God's got it to give because he wants to give it to those he loves. He loves me. He loves you. This is a, a, a fishbone in your mouth. Uh, God loves the sinner. He loves the murderer. He loves the serial this and that. He loves us all. For God so loved the world. But he just can't get it to those folks. But I'm saying that he's not able to get it to a lot of folks. We'll let that work in a little bit. I don't want to be one of those folks that he can't get what he has into my life. That he can't get his stuff into my life. That I have to wait until I die because I'm, I'm going to die and go across the river and there's a little cabin over there. That's not the word, what the word says. It says there's a mansion over there. But in Deuteronomy, it says of us in the Old Testament, he said, I want you to live in goodly houses goodly houses so it's not just a little mansion on the hill over there he wants you to live in something nice drive nice be out of debt Isn't that cool as gravy on biscuits i'm telling you being out of debt is awful cool so the second truth is that god wants me to always ask to ask god wants me to always ask for what he has got that he wants to give me to me And see, there's the transaction of pride and arrogance is that people says, he's got it, and I need it. Where is it? But what distinguishes us as Christians, as believers, is we believe that he's got it. We believe he wants to give it to us. And the way he wants, his system, his way, his protocol, his law, his his everything is, I want you to ask me for it. Instead of it just being out there, where nobody gets hurt, nobody has pain, nobody has suffering, because God, that's called heaven. That's called heaven. But this is not heaven. You can have heaven, like Goshen was in Egypt. You can have heaven on earth, but you got to ask for it. And it says in uh, uh, Mark 11:24, what things soever you desire, when you pray, when you ask, believe you receive them, what happens? Ye shall have them. The Lord Jesus said that. Turn with me to 1 John. You're, you're just on that side of your Bible, over there by the maps. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. Now let's, let's get this in us. Let's put this in us that God's got it to give to me. He's got stuff so that he can give stuff. That he's not really looking forward to living like we are he's looking for us to live like he is so he's got stuff he's got power he's got authority he's got grace and I need it I need finances I need healing in my body I need relationships fixed and they're 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 on a they're on the handrail they're they're not going anywhere my money or my body I'm not me I'm just talking about all of us We could say, I need help. And you do. And if you don't know you do, meet me after the surface. (laughs) You need help. People that live under the bridge that say, I don't need anybody, or that are homeless on the side of a uh, street and everything, they say, I don't need anything. Well, that's just because they're all inward. They're all totally living within, and they're saying, I don't need anything for me but we're living in a world that's got lots of needs that we have been empowered to help. We've been empowered. How do you send a missionary if you're under the bridge? How do you feed other hungry people if you're under the bridge or on a sidewalk? So 1 John chapter 5, look in verse 14. Verse 14, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us now let's read that in first person read it like you believe it and this is the confidence that i have in him that if i ask anything according to his will he heareth me verse 15 says and if we know that he heareth us whatsoever we ask we know we know we know we have The petitions that we have desired or asked of Him. God wants us to ask. He's got the stuff. He's got it for one reason. He wants to give the stuff, and He's going to give it to anybody, anybody that's believing, that asks for it. I've just pointed out to you a bunch of people that aren't asking God for help, they got too much pride. I don't. I need help. I need help. 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 I'm telling you, no matter how glorious your life is, and it is glorious. We still need help. If I'm going to support twenty five missionaries around the world, I'm not saying I am, but if I was wanting to, I'd need help. If I was going to lay hands on the sick, I'd need help. So we need help. The cotton patch version says, "Listen to this. This is funny. Do you have that one buried? I didn't think so." Hey. I got this one from Pastor Buzzy. And the thing that puts us at ease around him is that when we ask for something in line with his purpose, he really listens to us. And if we are sure that he listens to us when we present a need, we are sure that we get responses from him to what we propose. Cotton patch. That's just a country translation. He hears us and he pays attention And he gets right on it. That's kind of what he's saying there. He gets right on it. Uh, uh, We are sure to get that we get a response. So here's here's how it is in the kingdom. God loves to give things to people if if we have the same reason for getting it that he has for giving it. In other words, if I want what God wants for the same reason he wants it, It's done. If I can get my motive, if I can get my uh, purpose lined up. So we want what he wants for the same reason he wants it. So that takes out the five pink Cadillacs. The Lord don't want you to have five. (laughs) He wants you to drive right, live right, have right. He wants you to have uh, uh, every abundance, all sufficiency, for all need is what it says in Corinthians. He wants you that. He wants you to believe for that. But you gotta, you got to ask him for it. Hallelujah. So I'm, I want to talk this morning, said all that to say this. How does God transfer what he has in heaven to what we need on earth? We just established we need things. We established that God's got stuff that will meet our need. And we've established that God wants to give us his stuff that will meet our need. Well, yay. Well, how do we get that? How is God thinking? Because if he's thinking one way and I'm thinking another, we might not connect and I'll go my whole life without it saying, what's up, God? You got it. I need it. You want me to have it? But if I didn't figure out how he wants to give it. So turn with me to Proverbs, if you would. Book of Proverbs, chapter 13. Are you all interested in knowing this? They roared online, hallelujah. They said, yes, hallelujah. I I heard them. (laughs) Let's read it together. Verse 22. Not so much the first part, but the second part. Ready, read. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Here it is. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Where is the wealth that God wants to put it in your, into your hands? It's not in heaven, and money doesn't grow on trees. It's not uh, that God's, he could send an angel. He's done that before, but that's not his general way. The Bible says that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. In other words, they're holding on to your stuff. All those wealthy people, all those big corporations, all that, all that all that, do not regard God, they're very successful. They're using every trick in the book to get more money, to get more wealth. Why does God allow them to accumulate so much stuff when we're honestly going to work, we're spending our money right, we're bringing our part to God, why aren't those people, why are those people getting away with it? Well, he says the wealth of the wicked, the sinner... The Amplified says the wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous, look, for whom it is laid up, for whom it is laid up, for whom it is laid up. The wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up. So if we have a spiritual, an ethereal, a a cosmic uh, uh, nebula, cloudy idea that God's just going to someday put it on the glory chute, and it's going to come down, U.S. American dollars, Benjamins, and they're going to come down in our front yard, and we're going to run out there when nobody's looking and gather it up and take it in and say, my God supplied all my need. That, that's, that's, you may believe that, but you don't have any experience to back it up. So how does he do it? He puts it in the hands of the sinner so that it can be moved to your hands. The New Living says the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. Now y'all may not like this. you may you may want the, the the shoot from heaven into your front, maybe backyard, maybe not so many neighbors back there. You, and, and all of a sudden, you know you're you're righteous, you you got all this money, but that's not how it's coming. And if you're looking for that and not open to something else, you're going to spend your whole life waiting on the wrong thing. the The Bible in basic English says the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the right, upright man. The wealth of the sinner is stored up. So God's got it. Where's he got it? He's hid it, not from us, but he's hid it for us in the hands or the reservoirs uh, of people that don't even know God or serve God. They've got your stuff. You may say, I don't know about that. Well, turn to Ecclesiastes. I'm still working on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not through yet. <laughs> You don't think I just came with 100 scriptures, do you? (laughs) Ecclesiastes, y'all know that one. It's east of uh, Proverbs. It says in chapter 2, verse 26. Let's talk about this. Let's see. I got New Testament too, but we'll work this first. Verse 26 in the King James says, For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. That's us, isn't it? Good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy, but, pause here, take a turn, but to the sinner he giveth to veil, what does he do? To gather and to heap up, why? That he may give to him that is good before God. Well, golly, God's got a plan, and he's using the sinner. Remember when Oral Rops got that $3 million from the racetrack owner in uh, Florida, And the whole church just erupted in saying, that's tainted money. That's terrible money. That was gambling money. And you're going to build the city of faith with that tainted, no good, uh, sinner's money? That's where it was. And as soon as he touched it, it was sanctified. No telling where your money in the billfold you've got or the purse you've got. No telling where it's been. It's unspeakable where some of it's been. But there you are. Going to Outback and paying cash with that ungodly, untainted, unrighteous money. That's because it (laughs) spins. That's because the exchange is wonderful. But to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. The uh, Bible in basic English, listen to this. It says, to the sinner, God gives the work of getting goods together and storing up wealth. Why? To give to him in whom God has pleasure. I'm getting excited about this. <laughs> God's already sent it to help. He's already sent it ahead, the help I need. He's not working with angels, and, how, and when, when can the next flight of angels go off? Well, they need it by Tuesday down there. Well, we don't have anybody going out until Thursday evening. You know, it's not that. It's already in the earth. The Amplified says to the sinner... He gives the work of gathering and heaping up. Do you know those people? That he may give to one who pleases God. These people, they can't control their lives. These sinners that have this money, they are, they are out of their mind afraid they're going to lose their money. When you're young and don't have much money, Your greatest concern, your greatest desire is to get some money. Just get some money. Just got to pay the bills. But when you get rich, that's not your concern. Your concern then is to keep people from getting your money. And they are much more anxious about their lives than anybody like us maybe, where we're believing God for prosperity. We're way cool compared to them. So I want to show you one other thing. It's in Exodus. Let's get this Bible into a Bible pattern. Exodus chapter uh, 3. Did y'all like my joke this morning? <laughs> Even the blonde liked my joke. <laughs> She's a good girl. Hallelujah. Okay, chapter 3 of Exodus. How does God move money from heaven into your life? Now, there's lots of ways, and we're not saying for sure this is the only way, but God likes this way. He likes to, what I call, this is plunder the Egyptians. When I, was, when I had Christian school in West Texas, we, we charged nothing. We charged $120 a month per child, and we supplied everything, and that's nothing. That's the tax on what it is now. So we did fundraisers occasionally. And so I found some pecan rolls that we could buy for a a dollar or something and sell them for two dollars. And they were wonderful. They were really good. And so uh, I was the head of that. And I started working with other schools to help them. And I called that little business I had the Egyptian Plundering Service. (laughs) We were taking money out of those people that had a sweet tooth. And putting it in the kingdom. I don't know if that's absolutely accurate, but that's, that's what I called it. I did. I called it the EPS, Egyptian Plundering Service. Now, let me show you why I did that. In chapter 3, let's look in verse 16. You know, the, the, uh, the Hebrews are in Egypt. God's saying, I want y'all out, and I'm going to do something to help you. It's time for y'all to go. And Moses was their leader. And so he told Moses in verse 16, Go and gather the, Isra- the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you out of the afflictions of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites into a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall, the elders, they shall hearken to thy voice and they shall come, thou and the elders of Israel, into the king of Egypt. And ye shall say to the king of Israel, Pharaoh, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. In verse 19, for I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. Let's see where I am here. And I will give this people favor in the sight of Egyptians. Wait for it. Here it comes. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. That's a word for you and me. Point to yourself and say, I shall not go empty. empty. And that's a word. This is Old Testament. This is like Exodus. This is like number two book. It's like early on in the show. And God said, I don't like y'all going empty. It's not my will. It's not my way. It's not my reputation. I don't want the Jebusites and the Hivites and all them saying, God can't take care of his folks. They're the raggedy taggedy bunch and, and they can't get they will they, borrow they'll borrow money and won't pay it back and, and they're terrible. Their God is a scam. God said, I don't like that. I don't want you going out empty. I don't want you leaving Egypt and going into the land of other people in Canaan and not being well taken care of. So get that in your mind. So verse 21 says, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor, and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, and jewels of gold, and raiment clothing. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. That's where I got the word plunder. The Egyptian, the Egyptian plundering service. So the, uh, uh, the contemporary English, there it is, it says, they will give you anything you want. Are y'all getting a picture? This is Old Covenant. Are y'all getting a picture that this is his least way of doing business with his people, that everything's been upgraded since then, but at the minimum, at the base, at the foundation, God says, I don't want you going out empty-handed. And uh, he said, uh, where did he say it here? Uh, They shall give you anything you want. Anything I want. Say it with me. Anything I want. Now, you may say, no, God's not that way. You'd be wrong. Now, that is our experience. That is what religion's done with it. That is what people have believed for. But it was never what God had said. He said, they, I, they will give you anything you want. Who's they? It's the Egyptians. He's saying, I gave it to them so that on your way out, it'd be handy for them to give it to you. So I'm telling you, there's some Egyptians in your life that are there or are coming that have stuff. Either more stuff than you have or a different kind of stuff that you have or a liquid stuff than you have. Your money may all be tied up in your house and your car and whatever, but you need liquid stuff. You need a cash flow. And he said, I've got Egyptians everywhere that got money. They don't even know what to do with it. They're not spending it because they're afraid somebody will get it. They're not spending it because there's just so much you can spend on yourself. You know, if you take a a bubble bath and get out and eat steak and lay down on silk sheets, more money doesn't really help you there. That's, that's kind of, I don't know what y'all would do after that, but it's kind of like he's already got where a certain amount of money will give you everything you want. You can buy a more comfortable couch. You can buy a more expensive dinnerware. You can get the, the forks and the spoons that uh, all match. You, you can do all sorts of stuff out there. But he said, they will give you anything you want. You are my people, and I will let you take many things with you when you leave the land. I will let you take many things when you leave the land. The Bible in basic English says, When you go out, you will not go, you will go out with your hands full. Are we coming out of the world? Every day. I mean, we've been delivered out of the world. We're born again, we're new new creations in Christ. But we are increasingly dependent less on the world and their system and increasingly moving our our trust into the things of God nobody tithed and gave offerings the first day it was presented to them it's something that had to you had to work out some things so you could work some things in giving is a process the the new birth is instant but giving or walking by faith is a process you you do you got to get some lack and shortage and and some frailty and and victim and all those things you got to get that out of your life and you do that eventually or slowly, but you work in prosperity and health and I win. You work that into your life and it's a move, a gradient that moves us from faith to faith and glory to glory. Amen. And that's what we're doing. You don't just come in, I heard, the, I, heard uh, I went to church last week and I'm totally renewed in my mind. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not, but we did get help. It says in the uh, BBE, when you go out, you will go out with your hands full. And look at that last part of verse 22. Ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Now, I'm really interested in that word spoil because it's my, it's my word today. It's what God wants to do today. He didn't put it in there and then say, ah, it's not good enough for you. That's who we are. The word spoil means to snatch away. So let's put that in. Ye shall snatch away the Egyptians. <laughs> Ye shall pluck up. I'm going to pluck up the Egyptians. They better watch it because we're coming for them. It means to recover. means to strip off. It means to take out. Ye shall take out the Egyptians. Yay. Well, will it destroy them? Not at all. They had plenty after that. But they were they were rocked in their wealth. The Lord wants you to have some stuff. You know he sent the... Baby Jesus down to Egypt with gold, frankincense, and myrrh made the trip down there. He was funded on the way down. What what does he need, the baby need, with this stuff from the the men from the east? He had to finance a trip. Before you go on vacation, be sure and finance your trip. (laughs) Don't go down there with $20 and no credit card. Don't go down to Florida and say, we're going to have a big time. Uh, Turn with me to chapter 11. We're going to spoil the Egyptians. Now, does that mean we do anything? Not a thing. We're still believing God for his supply, his funding, his uh, supply all my need. We're believing for him, but he's moving on where the money is. I know religion just wants God to be ethereal and just be a sprinkly in the heavenly God that just operates in magic. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God is not a magician. That's right. He puts money somewhere so he can send it to you when you get in faith. When you say, God, I got to have it right now. And I believe I receive when I pray. He said, I already got this. I looked ahead. What about that verse? Just stay right there and I'll find you this verse. Well, maybe I won't. I think it's 89. Um, let me just let me just quote it. I can't find it right now. Where it says the the, the he put a path under the sea, a road nobody knew was there. Yeah, seventy. It's seventy-seven. 77, Psalm 77 Read it, Pamela. Your road led by a pathway through the sea, a pathway no one knew was there. Okay, so here we go. Way back, way back, before, before Moses was hauling the folks over the, the Red Sea, God said, I put a road in under that. Oh, he's, put stuff, he's put stuff where you and I need it. How do we pull the trigger to open that door, to open that vault, as it were? Well, we give, and we give in faith. We believe God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? It means he's got plenty more put in store for you and me. Let, let me read you in chapter 11. This story continues in, in verse 1. And said, The Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out. Hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor. Now let's just stop there and get that word borrow. In America, borrow means you pay back. It's, a, it's your assets in my life until I can get you your assets and interest back. But that's not what the word means. I don't know why the translators put that because it's nowhere in the Hebrew. The word means two things, to demand and to require. He said, so let's read that there. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man demand of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor Jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Remember that story of uh, the Lord Jesus? He said, go into town and find a colt that's tied up. And they said, well, what shall we tell this, this family? He said, tell them the Lord hath need of it. Now, when I have need, he has need. Because he's my supplier. I'm not, work, I'm not an independent contractor working out there. I'm, I've got a distribution center behind me. You only see me. If you're a car salesman, you only see him. But he's got access to all this inventory. And if you don't see what you like, he'll order you one or get you one from another dealer. He's, he's not just a man. And the Lord hath need of it. The colt came and nobody said a word. Uh, spoil means, de- borrow means to demand and require. Let me translate that for you. When you have need of anything, it is God's will to get it to you and you have to require it. The always answered asker. He's got it. And he only wants to do one thing and that's give it. If he wants you to give, he's got to be a giver. I said, if God says, I want you to give, he's got to first be a prolific and generous giver. Exodus chapter 12. This story keeps going. Look in verse 34. Verse 34 says, see if I'm right here. And the people took their dough before it was leavened. Their kneading needing troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed, demand, required, ask for yourself. That's what that word means. Look it up. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they lent, same word, So they lent unto them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. Ethically, we don't take stuff from people. Of course not. That's stealing. But they do have our stuff. And they got it against the kingdom. It's not that they were evil, necessarily. They were ethical, law-abiding and everything. But the Word tells us that the way we're supposed to get our stuff is through the kingdom of God, giving and receiving. There is this, but it's a worldly method of working for a salary. That's why you at your job are not working for a living. Listen to me. You are not working for a living. You are working for seed to sow. And the seed is your living. The harvest on that seed is your living. And if you don't make that transfer, you'll live... Uh, what is the verse you'll live a narrow life Uh, I've just almost got the verse and all these things shall be added to you so it's added but if you get over here in giving it's multiplied to you 30, 60, 100 fold is multiplied to you. So there is a difference there. So he said, uh, verse 36, the Lord gave the, the people, the, the Lord gave Alabamians, the Lord gave his people the favor in the sight of the world so that they, so that they required and demanded unto them such things as they required and, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Now God doesn't owe me anything. But my seed has already been empowered to bring a harvest. My se- I, I changed my future this morning when I gave in the offering. Did your future get changed? Yes. If it didn't, if you're the same, you, you hadn't got everything right there that you need. You're just, you're just giving to the poor. You're just saying, I, I feel sorry for you. You're hungry, you, and I'll give to you. But that's not who we are. We do that, but that's not how we get our, our blessing. Luke chapter six verse thirty eight says, Look, look, just to back it up, men shall give unto you, given it shall be given to you, and men shall give unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Shall men give unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men given to your bosom. They've got it. One dollar at a time, one, one pickup at a time, whatever whatever you have need of. Now, here's how the kingdom works. Let's just do this for a second. The kingdom works like this. When you ask God for something and you go to 1 John uh, chapter 5 and you say, Lord, I'm here. I have a confidence that you're hearing me when I pray. And so I'm about to pray. And so you pray and say, I believe I received the desires of my heart. I believe I receive, uh, 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 if you're a woman, saying I receive a new dress. I need a new dress to go to, to this or that. The Lord immediately begins to work on, not the wicked, but he begins to work on your husband. Really, because that's in the first circle of supply. He does not go around him and get the get the, the, the bachelor down the street to come by and say, hey, baby, I brought you a dress. <laughs> that's, not, that's not protocol. He, he works on that. But if the man says, you don't need no dress. I need a new shirt. I'm not giving you anything. Is she denied? No. no. God has to take that request and go to the next level, whether that's children or whether it's a job or whether it's a bonus or whether it's uh, an inheritance or could be that somebody just said, the Lord had me send you this money, I don't know what it's for, but I'm sure he did, and guess what it usually is? Exactly what that dress cost. So the Lord's responsible to fulfill his end, but he works in concentric circles of divine order in order to get it to you. Because So if that old man says, I'm not giving you a dress, I don't even like you, I'm not giving you any new dress, it doesn't thwart anything. You just gotta stand fast. You just gotta hang on and say... I made my request known unto God. He heard me, and he granted me the petitions that I ask. If you get dismayed and say, well, he, he said no, then he's not God. If your husband says no, then he's not God. He never was God. God says, I got a hundred dresses, and we'll just work in order, divine order, we'll work through until somebody said, I'll do it. Now, this is... How many times has the Lord had you do something and you thought, ah, he tapped me and I'm I'm the man. I'm going to go take care of this, the Lord told me. But how many times do we know that you weren't number four? He He asked Johnny and Bill and Larry and they all said no way. And so he came to you and you said, I will. It doesn't matter. We said yes. When I came to Alabama, I don't know how many people he asked before he got to me. I don't know how many people he's asked you for, but he got to you, so amen. So uh, Psalm 105 talks about this Egyptian story. It says, he brought them forth also with silver and gold. Now, notice that the Lord's taken credit for the silver and gold when it was the Egyptians that actually had it. But the Bible says, Psalm 105 37, he brought he brought He brought the He bought he what is that? He brought them forth to Typo. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Yeah. He brought them forth. He brought them forth. Now this is common. For somebody to be moved on by the Holy Ghost, to give to you, to help you, to get involved with you, they have unction, they have a leading, and they help you, and it it fits, it works, they were right, you did need it, and it fit exactly in everything. And then for that person that sowed the seed to come back sometime later and say, "Uh, I need you to return the favor, because after all, you know, I gave you that money. Do you all know that's wrong? Because it wasn't, it wasn't him that gave the money. He just moved it to that person to get it through that person to get it to you. Real hands, real bank account, real drove up in his car and said, I don't know why I'm giving this $100 bill to you, but the Lord told me to. That's right. Thank you very much. God bless you. That's pretty much the end of it. We're supposed to help and be used of God. Now, if you are used of the Lord to give and to help, and we all are, then he can trust you with $100. And when he gets that, he can trust you with $200. There's nobody going to be moving thousands of dollars until they first move $10. So when he talks to you and says, that $100 you got, or that $50, or that $20, whatever, I want you to do this with it. I want you to be like an Egyptian. You're not, but I want, you to, I want you to be used by me. And you say, Lord, what's this all about? And you go, and they say, thank you very much. It, it's exactly right. I believed God. Uh, you got to get ready. You qualified for more. I'm qualifying. I'm qualifying. My giving today isn't the end of my giving it does have a harvest. It is going to bring what I need. It's, it's in my future. It cannot be denied. I am not putting up with it didn't work or it didn't change anything. But I qualified for more every time I gave. So I'm qualified for, to handle much. Faithful over little, master over much. It's because you qualify. Are you qualified this morning to be a always answered asker? I've been through so much financial stuff like many of you over the last 40-something years. I, I'm not afraid of anything. I don't know it if its it is. It hadn't come in a long, long time where I said, oh, I'm just, we have a confidence in God, don't we? Amen. Uh, James 4.2 says you have not because you ask not. Well, that's in the Bible. What if that was true? Mark 11, 24, whatsoever things ye desire the word desire there is the same word we saw in the Egyptian account it's to require and to demand it's the greek word for the other one that was hebrew what things soever ye ask call for require when you pray believe you receive them and ye shall have them why because I'm an always answered asker i have a confidence that if i pray according to his purposes and will he answers me now the kingdom, let's just say this before we go. The kingdom is not war. We are not trying to beat somebody up that has money, what we need, what is God's will. We're not trying to uh, sh- snake them, uh, uh, manipulate them. That'd be evil, wouldn't it? Manipulate them and, and say. I knew a man one time that uh, kind of got off of this. He went to a man, and he said, I think God's telling me that you're supposed to give me your house. He was a minister. He was a minister. And the, the guy said, buddy, <laughs> when God mentions it to me, we'll be on the same wailing. But right now, I'm living in this house. So, uh, you know, you can get off in this. But it's not war. But on the other hand, it's not begging. This is kingdom business. It's serious, but on the other hand, it's very lighthearted. You don't have to work and, and lather up and... and get all worked up about it. Oh, God's going to do it. If you're asking God for $10,000, it's because you're asking for $1,000. He asked you for 1,000, I mean. If he's asking you for 10, he's already asked you for 1, he's already asked you for 100. I want him to say well done, thou good and faithful. I want him to. Cuz I recognize it's him, not need. Now, just as a side note, you could say just cuz somebody asks you for money or anything doesn't mean you're supposed to give it. I get regular offers, offers to give, especially here at the church. We get regular offers to give, and it, you never get to the end of it. The poor or the homeless or whatever, you, you never get to the end of it. Recently, last year, uh, I had somebody that was waiting for me on the sidewalk here when I came out to go to lunch. So I went over there and helped them, and I gave them two. We give McDonald's cards or something, just a food card, so it's not cash. And then he said, well, I need one more thing. So we did that, and he said, well, I need one more thing. And it it never ended till I finally had to end it. It was $300 before we got through. And you know, I helped him, and it was good, but uh, we put him in a hotel, and then he had to eat, and then he had to have a ride to the job. It just is never ending, so you gotta be led you can do all those things if holy ghost said this is for you i want you to give so father we thank you this morning that you are good and every good and perfect gift comes down from you everything down here's junk till it gets from you so thank you lord for leading us we are led of the spirit thank you lord that we can listen to you concerning things that are in people's hands and not get fouled up or or messed around with the people. We know that your leading, your your supply comes through people, and we'll take it from there. Thank you, Lord, for using people all over this city, kin folks in other states, friends that are in the other nations, using them to supply all of our need. Men are giving in to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Men are choos- chasing us. Pursuing us, looking for us to give the seed that they must give in order for us to have the supply we must have. We thank you, Lord, that it has never failed, it is not failing, and it will not fail in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Does anybody come up with that tooth? Is there a tooth issue here? No tooth. Well, good. That's good. We can miss it. Or it may be on broadcast, but uh, I got that, and I wanted to put that out there. Let's be strong this year. Let's not be religious. Let's not come to church and say, "I got to go hear another sermon. I got to get another. I got to pay my uh, my Sunday obligation." Let's be strong. I I found out recently about uh, well, never mind about that. But anyway. There's a lot of things that are not strong, and we need to be strong. There's a time coming where you'll have to pull the lever without a lot of time or without a lot of rationale, without a lot of confirmation. You'll just know down in here, this is what I was created for, and I'm going to do it. So God bless you. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Amen.